Welcome to another episode of Civic Cypher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are listening to Civic Cypher. Yes, indeed. Um, be sure to stick around, man. We got a, another great show in store for you. We got a lot to talk about this week. Um, you know, we were able to take a week off. Uh, we had to tend to some uh, birthday festivities. Whose birthday? That would be my birthday. Which birthday? That was my 40th. Okay, talk to yes, me. sir. Um, so I was uh, moving around the world a little bit. Um, had to go to Egypt and uh, bring it in the right way. But around the world a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it was fun. But um, a lot of things happened uh, since we last were able to create a show for you. And so we're going to spend some time talking about a few things that have made the news um, in our absence and do our best to bring some context and some light and some deeper understanding for those of you who know about them and to inform those of you who don't know about them. So again, a lot to stick around for uh, news related. Also, we're going to be talking about um, really how these things feel, the second part of the show. How, how does it feel to have to handle uh, these these. I don't even know if micro traumas is the right way to describe it, but you know, these, these, we'll call them micro traumas. Why not? We can do that. Um, and how to process them. Because if you get news, like we get news, then maybe, you know, it can be a bit overwhelming. So we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, for our Baba segment, becoming a better ally, we're going to talk a little bit about the NAACP, how you can support and where your dollars go. And then for our way, black history fact, we're going to discuss the history of rhythm and blues. Um, We've been uh, on a musical kick here lately, and we don't want to stop it just yet. So stay tuned for all that and more. But first and foremost, like we always do at this time, let's discuss some ebony excellence. Shall we? We shall. Um, This week, uh, it's brought to you by Hip Hop Weekly Media, and the story comes from Afrotech. We're talking about someone who Q knows very well, a woman by the name of Allison Felix. Um, so the quick and dirty version of the story is that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you, um, she was sponsored by Nike and, uh, she ended up getting pregnant, um, and Nike kind of backed off. They, um, didn't want to honor the contract or wanted to change the terms of the contract or something like that. In fact, I'll read a bit of it. Um, but the long and the short of the story is that, uh, she ended up moving away from Nike because they weren't supporting her in a moment when she was vulnerable. As we know, uh, black maternity, uh, maternal health is a big issue uh, because the outcomes aren't always uh, consistent. They're, they're never consistent if you're black um, with uh, the, that of our Caucasian uh, sisters. And so um, Nike abandoning her prompted her to start her own thing so we're gonna kind of touch on that a bit but here's a a quote from her um she said one of the areas of fulfillment um was her footwear brand Seish. Uh, she launched it in june of 2021 the venture was created for women and by women and considers all facets of life including motherhood Seish was important to felix to spearhead as she learned firsthand from her exit with nike in 2017 that even one of the most popular apparel companies failed to prop up pregnant female af- athletes and new mo- mothers. And it's not lost on us that she was a black, she is a black woman. 
Um, she's currently running in the Olympics in Japan, wearing them under the banner, I Know My Place. And I think that's something that was said to her from one of the Nike executives, Know Your Place. So she used that um, as a positioner for her company. So once again, shout out to Allison Felix. You indeed are Ebony Excellent. Allison, I'm super proud of you. Kenny, Allison, and Cameron, I love you all very much. Uh, keep doing your thing and we're going to keep supporting. Yes, indeed. All right, moving on. Whew, a lot of headlines. Um, big shout out to our show producer, Maggie B. Nolan. She do. <laughs> we uh, we had a lot to wade through um, to get this show together. And so, um, yeah, it's been there's been a lot coming at us from a lot of different directions. Um, the first story that we're going to talk about is uh, a story that we've touched on repeatedly here um has to do with brianna taylor and uh this story comes from the justice department uh the headline reads former louisville kentucky police detective pleads guilty to a federal crime related to the death of brianna taylor um i'll read a bit about this um, so the justice department announced today that former Louis louisville metro police department detective kelly goodlett uh, age 35 pleaded guilty in federal court to conspiring to commit two federal crimes Goodlett admitted that she conspired with another former LMPD detective, both to falsify an affidavit to obtain a warrant to search Brianna Taylor's home without probable cause, which resulted in Taylor's death, and to cover up the false warrant by lying to criminal investigators after Taylor was killed. Oof. Now, if you were alive in 2020, you know that we um, and we, our community, demanded that the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor be arrested. Um, and that has been a long-fought battle. That train has been moving very slowly. Um, and, you know, the wheels of justice oftentimes do turn very slowly. But this is something that we're happy to see. But it also kind of causes us to stop and think. Right. Um, one thing that jumps out at me, of course, is that we know Brianna Taylor's name. We're familiar with her story. Um, there are so many people whose names we don't know. So many stories that do not make national headlines. Um, black people, as you know, are overrepresented in the criminal justice system as we are overpoliced. Um, and um, unfairly sentenced. But when you see things like this, I believe our position, which oftentimes looks like, hey, the odds are stacked against us. It doesn't matter if we're 100% squeaky clean and we're you know, a first responder, as Breonna Taylor was, and we live a life that is as right in terms of being on the right side of the law as anyone else, that this system can beat our door in and find us, try as we might to hide from it. This story shows us that there are behind-the-scenes factors and people that create the cancerous corruption that makes its way into our lives. In other words, this woman falsified documents 
then lied about it. But we're just talking about falsified the documents necessary to set off this chain of events resulting in her death. So yes, she's just as guilty. And the fact that she pleaded guilty to it, um, it, it, it helps because oftentimes what we, what we see is that people don't plead guilty. They plead um, innocent. They, you know, it's a long fought trial. And then the judge hands down a light sentence. Um, and this is why we have to ourselves affirm that Black Lives Matter. Because um, Breonna Taylor, if you can hear us today, you were not born to die. That is, That should not have been your story. That should not be anybody's story who's endowed with consciousness. But for us in our community, it seems very often that we have to affirm that because things like this happen both right in front of our face and of course behind the scenes as we're seeing in this example here. Um, and this is all a part of a system of people who at best don't care, at worst hate us. Sound like you, you seem like you got something to say, Q. It's it's more about having something to feel than something to say. Mm. Because I thought what you just said a bunch of times before. Yeah, that's right. But hearing it orated it was different. Yeah. Right? At at obvious is what I would say, hate us. Not so obvious, could care less. Right. With a smile on their face, kind, well to do people who live out their entire lives just not giving a damn about the outcomes that we live with on a very, very regular basis. Um, you know, the attorney general in Kentucky just proudly with a smile on his face campaigning now for an increase in pay and an upliftment in political power saw no reason to even pursue Anything beyond, you know, I guess what he considered to be a thorough investigation of the officers involved in that crime. And at his campaign rallies, he's reminded of his failure. I won't even say he takes it on the chin. He just pretends it's not happening. Not even decent enough a person to acknowledge and or apologize because how dare we ask for or require or expect some sense of accountability from him. Um, it's, it's tough reliving our realities. And like you said, that young lady was not born simply to be murdered in her sleep, in her home, doing nothing wrong for reasons that someone created falsely manufactured out of thin air and then perpetuated after the fact the lie to then cover up what they'd done so that no one would be held accountable, which is what we talk about more on this show than anything else. I think people sometimes take our stance as we'd like the same awful things that happen to black people to happen to other people. And it's, it's quite the contrary. When awful things happen to other people and, or, when black on black crime happens it's not a real thing when the perpetrators are known and caught on camera there's a 
there's an account to be paid. There is a penalty there. And far too often, even when we know the names, faces, jobs, locations, addresses, you know, daily happenings of the perpetrators who kill our people because they have a badge, they get fired with pay. And as taxpayers, we're responsible for making sure those people still get their salaries for having murdered us. Yeah, vacation. You know, I think that that's, and we we talked about this recently, but again, this is part of the reason why affirming, why making our mantra Black Lives Matter um, is necessary because left to our own devices, if we were to look around, and read, you know, the news articles that come our way or just be alive and conscious, you know, um, in this country. You might like oftentimes artificial intelligence um, excursions <laughs> uh, yield. You might find that um, black lives don't matter, you know, and that black life is less valuable and is often associated with criminal, you know, these sorts of things. If you didn't, if you didn't know any better, that would be your reality. Um, just because that's what the world teaches you. Okay. The police shoot these people. Well, why was he running away? Could it be that he was afraid that he was going to die or was it criminal in nature? Who runs from the police? Well, it had to be double standard. Yeah. He looks looks like Ramses. See what so I'm it was definitely criminal. So let me add to that. There's a whole other facet here. That uh, the same system that, you know, the, the, the front facing part of the criminal justice system is, of course, the police. Um, have this very, very cavalier attitude. When it comes to. Black and brown people. We're just collateral damage. Well, their supporters have a cavalier attitude with regards to black and brown people. Their attitude isn't cavalier at all. It's very aggressive. Sure. Very violent. Sure. Uh, very shoot first, ask questions sure. later. Sure. Or shoot first and not care later. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, cavalier, I wouldn't even assign that. Because it's, it's, it's very intentional. Um. And it's not just in general either. Like this is not our imagination. To our listeners that don't have this same reality, some of you, if you if you've listened to more than one episode of this show, I, I assume that you may think along the same lines as us. But if you're just tuning in, or if you're listening for the first time, or you know if you're listening just so you can pick us apart, sure. But our reality is one that is very different from yours. Mm-hmm. And these outcomes are very, very, very intentional. It's not by chance. We're not creating a narrative. We're just speaking about a reality that not everybody can see because they don't live it. I'll, I'll take that a step further. Q and I, we speak about our own yes. reality. Yes. So let's, let's, um, I'm going to skip ahead a bit. <clears throat> so there's another story that uh, came out. Uh, this one came, this one comes via NBC News. Deputy resigns after pulling a gun on a pregnant black mother during a traffic stop. Now, let me read a little bit about this. We saw the video, of course. Unfortunately, a white Florida sheriff deputy has resigned after he pulled a gun 
on a pregnant black woman during a traffic stop as her three distressed children watched on and recorded the tense interaction. Ebony Washington said she didn't immediately stop when an officer tried to pull her over in Bradford County on August 12th because it was dark and she didn't want to scare her kids. Uh, DeSue followed her. Uh, that would That's the officer's name. DeSue followed her with his siren and emergency lights on and ordered her to stop at one point. DeSue said over the patrol vehicle's PA system, pull the vehicle over or I will put you into the ground. The sheriff, uh, the sheriff's office said body camera video of the incident released by the sheriff's department and shared by John M. Phillips, Washington's attorney, showed DeSue shouting to Washington's car. If you make any movement, that'll be your last mistake you're going to make. He then emerges from his vehicle with his gun pointed at her and yells for her to get out. Washington is seen with her arms out the window of her vehicle. She says the door is locked. And DeSue says, unlock it. I'm not worried. I've got my gun on you. All right. Now, to your point, Q, you're talking about the aggressive shoot first, you know, this sort of thing, right? Now, I have to play devil's advocate because we have to do that. We just have to. So hear me out. We choose to. And it's to. To, to preserve some integrity. And it's in for us to be where, fair people. Right, right. So that's, th thank you for saying it a little bit better than I could. So. An officer catches someone speeding or whatever, some minor infraction, um, attempts to pull a person over. Um, the person doesn't pull over immediately. So what is the officer thinking? Perhaps this person is trying to flee or whatever. You know, they, they have to be paranoid. They're a paranoid sort, as we know. They, they you know, g um, my business partner, Sean, he told me guns bring about gun energy. Right. This is what he told me. He's not a gun person. Neither am I. But that's what he said. So these guys have guns on them. So they're like ready for death at any, you know, what I mean, so everything is super heightened. Right. This is my assumption. Um, but, you know, they have to be careful, too. They want to preserve their own life. Again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, Q. So this person is not being they're not pulling over immediately. So now you're on high alert. Why is this person not pulling over? There must be something going on here. Uh, maybe it's an ambush. Maybe they're going. Who knows? Right. Who knows? We don't know. But that's not the point. Just let me let me paint the picture here. They uh, get to, after some time, get to the next well-lit place. Um, and the officer is not at a point where he's wanting to ask questions. So he, you know, pulls the gun out because he doesn't know what to expect. You know, and he's trying to enforce the law best he knows how. Based on his assessment of the situation, we'll give him all that. Okay. Um, my thinking is that the moment a pregnant woman gets out of the car with her hands up um, and she's cooperating uh, at that point, the threats to end your life. And you can see that this is black woman, you know, police, they have their headlights on you. Black pregnant woman emerges from the car. At that point, you don't need that aggression anymore. You don't need that anger, that fear, whatever it is. Maybe your adrenaline's pumping, whatever the case is. But if you are a civil servant, you have to recognize that that same person that you might cite for speeding is indeed someone that work that you work for, right? Those those tickets that that goes to pay your salary salary and buy you your next tank and all that other sort of stuff too, right? So, you know, one of the things that happened to me that that very same thing happened to me. The thing is, it happened to me in daylight. I, I shared the story before. I was about 19 years old. I was going to school, got pulled over because I was going to get an inhaler for my cousin. I had to go to the bank and then um, pull out some money to buy him an inhaler because he couldn't breathe. 
um, police pulled me over. All the police pulled me over. There's a bunch of police. They had guns on me. And they, they told me to get out of the car with my hands up. I'm told, if you make any sudden movements, we will kill you. Not we will shoot you. Not we will wound you. Not we will arrest you. Not you'll be in a big trouble, mister. We will kill you. So coming that close with death, I think, justifies her wanting to pull into a place that's well lit and keeping everybody as honest as she possibly can. The thing is, on this show and in this space, and I think to your point, Q, we as black people have a very different experience. And for us, there is a chance that we could die pulling over. There's a chance anything could happen if we pull over where it's dark. If we pull over where it's well lit, we might have a chance for some justice because there might be a recording of it. We so, might not die. We might not die. But, you know, if I'm, there's a recording, we might, there might be an investigation at least. We've seen recordings lead to investigations that led to nothing. Well, you know what I'm trying to say. You know what right? I'm trying to say. So we might not die if we can get into some light and someone might be recording it. We might not die. The idea that we're hoping that that might lead to justice is just a bit beyond scope of reality. It's not real. <laughs> That's not in that moment we're not hoping i might get some justice we're hoping i hope i can get home and in her case i hope i can get my kids home and that we don't die during a traffic stop so i don't want to pull over in the dark where i can't even reassure my kids that everything will be okay i'm going to be scared no matter what i'd rather my kids not fall into a panic and or have to watch me be killed by a police officer for whatever the infraction was because even if I outrun you, sir, in my car, I don't pull over immediately. I just keep driving. The worst case scenario for you is you didn't get to issue a ticket. So I don't want to hear about how paranoid or afraid you are. You're just hyper vigilant and you want to something punitive has to happen today. And once I see that you're black, this punitive damages are going to be aggressive and violent. And that's what I, that's another point is that. Oftentimes with black people, police don't fear the repercussions. So let's let just thought experiment. I'm not even going to flesh it all the way out. Q hates when I do this, but it's important, I think. Let's tell, this, tell, tell the story that um, I just told. Tell it to yourself again. But now make this a... Middle-aged, don't make middle-aged white women. I don't make these people old. <laughs> But doesn't it just they can just be white people? Sure. Ramses has to try to paint the picture of these people I being so fragile and docile. It's not just detailed, though. It's often middle age and or old. No, that's completely unnecessary. Any age white person doesn't have to be woman, doesn't have to be old man, just white. Just white is enough for this interaction to be benign. You were speeding. So here's the fine for that. Have a great day, sir. That's it. And you can even be annoyed at them for pulling you over. <laughs> Cuss funny, them out. Funny run, how that them works, right? run them over with your car. Yeah, take their gun and shoot them. That gun will not come out of that holster, not by their hand. That's crazy. So let's just be straight. They don't have this doesn't have to be an old business couple, you know, leaving the country club. No, just a white person. Well, the point I'm making, and you're, you're not wrong. The point I'm making, though, is that how does the story look to you? You know, 
does it look like, well, wow, why did the police officer pull out their gun? The lady was clearly just trying to pull over somewhere that was well lit, you see? And the way the news uh, and the right, of course, frames their conversations is very different if the person who was trying to find the well-lit area is white. Um, if it's a black person, it's like, well, you know the law, the lights come on, you got to pull over, you know? And if it, if the person is not black, then it's like, well, we, we understand. No one wants to pull over in the middle of the dark. You can't see anything. Of course, she's trying to get, you know what I mean? And this lady, slowed, she slowed down. Hazards on. And yeah. turned her hazard lights on to signal that, hey, I see you. Yep. I'm cooperating. Yep. I'm not speeding off. Yep. Maintaining this distance. I'm just trying to get somewhere where I won't be as afraid and therefore my children won't I give be myself there. the best possible chance. I did that very same thing on a freeway. I told this story too. Um, in front of the airport here in Phoenix, I, they wanted to pull me over and I was all the way in the left lane. And if I got to the right lane, I was going to miss my exit. And I was like, I don't know this freeway. So let me put my hazards on and drive slow. And they were just as mad until they found out I was Ramses job from the radio. So I got, I lucked out with that one.